Well, here we are. 1,989 years ago today, Jerusalem was jam-packed. It was Passover week. If you would go into the marketplace, you'd find people crowded shoulder to shoulder. There wasn't a single apartment in the city that you could rent as a place to stay. The tents were covered, or the hillsides were covered with tents, and it was a busy, busy place. And there was a lot of conversation. It was Passover week. And sooner or later, every conversation got around to the topic of the miracle worker, Jesus. Those who had come from distant provinces hadn't seen him, but they had heard about him. And there were some in the crowd that had been present when they had seen him work miracles, heal the blind. Others were present when he had spoken in such a way that they were awed. On one occasion, the temple authorities sent soldiers to arrest Jesus, and they came back without him. And they said, why didn't you arrest this man? They said, we never heard anyone speak like that. There was something even about the way that he spoke that caused awe. But the question was, will he come to Jerusalem Will he be here for the Passover? This morning, we commemorate the event in which he did come. Mark chapter 11 reports it this way. Speaking of Jesus and his company, as they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent to his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? You say, The Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back here. They went their way, found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, They untied it. Some of the bystanders were saying to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and they gave him permission. They brought the colt to Jesus, put their coats on it, and he sat on it. Many spread their coats on the road. Others spread leafy branches, which they had cut from the fields. Those who went in front and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. And after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve, since it was already late. This morning we want to spend some time reliving that event. And we're going to harmonize the four Gospels. Matthew twenty seventeen and following, Mark ten thirty two and following, Luke eighteen thirty one and following, and John eleven fifty four and following. The story actually begins 
several weeks prior to this event. Jesus and his disciples had come to the city of Bethany because a messenger had come to them while they were in Perea, saying, Your friend Lazarus is sick. And they tarried, and by the time they arrived, Lazarus was dead. He had been dead four days. His body was in the tomb. And Jesus, as he came into that situation and saw the friends of the family weeping and mourning and the sisters crying, the shortest verse in the Bible, as he looked at that, Jesus wept. And then he went to the tomb and said, move the stone. Lazarus' sister said, Lord, you don't want to do that. He's been dead four days. He already stinks. Jesus said, roll away the stone. They rolled it away, and he stood in front of the tomb and cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And a body that had already begun decaying was restored to life and health as the man's spirit reentered his body. He came out of the tomb in his grave clothes. Jesus said, untie him, turn him loose. At that moment, there was not a single person in Bethany who doubted that Jesus was a miracle worker. Some immediately began to say, he must be the Messiah, for no one else can do this. Some immediately wanted to become his disciples, but there were some who were so blinded by religious prejudice that even though they could not deny what he had done, they rushed back to Jerusalem to talk to the Pharisees and Sadducees, the Jewish temple, and say, let me tell you what happened. The crowds are following him. From that time onward, the Jewish establishment began to plot his death. But it was not time for Jesus to die. And so he left Bethany and took his disciples north to the little town of Ephraim on the borderness of the wilderness of Jeshurun. We don't know how long he was there, but they did spend at least a few weeks in that region. Many, many things took place while they were there. First of all, Luke 17 is the one that records most of these events. This is where Jesus gave that famous sermon on his second coming. This is a place where he gave the parable about the publican, you remember, and the Pharisee. And they were in their temple together praying. And the Pharisee said, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like other men. I fast several times a week. I pay all my time. Thank you. I'm not like this publican. But the publican, kneeling, beat upon his breast and said... Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said that publican left justified. The Pharisee didn't. This is where Jesus gave several parables on prayer. This is where he had that experience. Remember, he was teaching one day. Crowds were kind of gathering around him. Some others brought their little children. They wanted to bring the children to Jesus. I was, don't bother the master. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. I Wouldn't you like to have been there? <laughs> Did he take any of them on his lap? I wonder. But what love 
he showed toward the children. You know, I think Bill Sullivan manifests that spirit, doesn't he? Aren't we thankful to have the spirit of Jesus and Bill Sullivan's love for our children? While they were in Ephraim, a rich young man came to Jesus. Lord, tell me, what one thing must I do to inherit eternal life? One thing. Jesus said, keep the commandments. Oh, I've done these ever since my youth, and he listed them. Jesus said, then you lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give your money to the poor and come and follow me. And the man went away sorrowful because he was very rich. That's the only one Jesus ever said that to because he knew this man's money was his God. And that prompted Jesus to give a lesson on rewards and suffering. Matthew and Mark and Luke all harmonize events, but Luke gives the most complete description. Well, as the time of Passover drew near, Jesus and his disciples left Ephraim and traveled northeast across the Jordan River to Perea. And while we were there as well, there were many things that took place. And then as time for the Passover to draw near, they left a bit west to where the road went south along the east side of the River Jordan. That's the path that Jews from everywhere in the north walked to come to Jerusalem. It would have been shorter to go through Samaria, but the Jews did all that they could to avoid going through Samaria. Sometimes expediency demanded it. Twice we find Jesus leading his disciples through Samaria. One time, you remember, he had the encounter with a Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. But if possible, don't go through Samaria. They're the dogs. They, the Samaritans had been Jews, but when the Assyrians had come and invaded their country and carried many away and sent other nations in, and they'd all intermarried, so no longer were they pure-blood Jews. Neither did they accurately worship God. So the Jews avoided going through Samaria. Therefore, in order to get to Jerusalem from the north, you traveled the Jordan Road on the east side of the Jordan until you came to the Jericho Road. As they were traveling along that road, one evening as nightfall came, Jesus took his disciples aside and began to plainly tell them what was going to happen. Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Will deliver him to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, and scourge him, and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. Mark ten thirty three to 34. The disciples were stunned. What, what's this? talk of death i mean we think you're the messiah the messiah is supposed to not only that you told us we're going to sit on some thrones what's all this stuff about dying they just could not comprehend it it did not compute and yet he kept saying these things about dying 
And then something happened that was totally out of harmony for the moment. Jesus' aunt, at some point, had joined them. Her two boys were James and John. And she approached Jesus and said, Now, Jesus, you told us that your disciples are going to be sitting on thrones. When that happens, would you grant my boys one sit on your right and one on the left? (laughs) Jesus said, these aren't mine to give, but the Father is in heaven. And then an eruption took place in the disciples. They got angry with James and John. They got angry at his mother. And each of them started to argue who was the most important. Our Lord (laughs) quelled that by figuratively talking about his death and theirs, something they didn't fully grasp. And he said again, the chief seats are not mine to give, but they belong to my Father, which is in heaven. The next morning was Thursday, and they continued on their journey to approach old Jericho, And they came to the Jericho Road, which then went west to Jerusalem. Roads from all over the east converged at this point, and so the path already had been crowded with pilgrims. One point, as Jesus was walking along, and the disciples drew back from him because he had such a stern look on his face, and they were afraid to walk with him. And then they came to the junction of the Jordan Road and the Jericho Road and crowds from all directions were arriving and now it really was shoulder to shoulder. And so they began to walk west. First they came to old Jericho. This was the city that when the Jews led under Joshua had entered the promised land. You remember God had them march around and sing and finally after seven times to blow the trumpet and the walls fell down. By the way, that's one of the strongest evidences of the veracity of Scripture. In 1910, an archaeologist began to investigate that area and he said he confirmed that the walls either fell down or fell out. They didn't fall inward as they would have done if a marauding army had pushed them down. Gerstner was the archaeologist. Isn't that wonderful to think about? Proof that the Bible is true. And so they began to walk west into old Jericho. The crowds were around them. People recognized Jesus. His name was on their lips. And by the road, there was a blind man named Bartimaeus. He'd heard about Jesus. And as the crowd passed by and he heard the talk, he realized that Jesus had just passed by. And so in his blindness, he began to fumble his way around the perimeter of old Jericho to try to get to the other side before Jesus could come out. Along the way, he found another blind man. And so together, they found their way to the other side. And as Jesus came out, Bartimaeus, being the spokesman, cried out, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd said, stop bothering him. (laughs) But Jesus responded, 
and heal them, they had their sight. The miracle worker had once again proven his divinity. They continued on west to New Jericho. And as they entered New Jericho again, the city was crowded. Word had gone to head. Jesus is coming. The streets were packed. It was hard to get through. And there was a man in that town named Zacchaeus who was a tax collector. Now here's how the Romans collected taxes in their provinces. They would decide we need a certain amount of money for a year or whatever period they looked at. And so they would put up for bids what tax company could guarantee us this much money and perhaps more. And so there were different companies that would vie for who could get the contract. And the one that offered the most got the contract. And then they would divide the empire into various tax districts. And they would have overseers over each of those districts who had to make sure they got enough money to give some to the company who could pass some on to the Romans, but they wanted to add a little more so they would get some. And then in each city and village, they had a tax collector who had to collect enough to give to what his superiors wanted so they'd have enough plus some to give to the next group and the next group. And the tax collector in every local town and village, there were no rules at all. He squeezed everybody for what he could get out of them. And he was hated. And that was Zacchaeus. But he had heard about Jesus. And here was the crowd coming into the city. The crowd was packed. He couldn't see him. And so he climbed up a sycamore tree, this little short fella who was hated by everybody. Nobody, of course, would let him through anyway so he could see Jesus. And as Jesus was passing the tree, he looked up. Zacchaeus, come down. Today I'm going to go to your house. Of course, everybody was somewhat stunned. <laughs> and he went to Zacchaeus' house. And in the presence of Jesus, this man repented. Oh, Lord, I'll give back money. What I've defrauded, I'll give back multiple times. And Jesus said, this day, salvation has come to this house. Wouldn't you like to know what else happened to Zacchaeus? That's it. That's all we know. But thanks be to God, he met the Lord. Jesus then continued off until he came once again to Bethany. He had spent the night with Zacchaeus undoubtedly. So on Friday morning, continued the journey further until he came to Bethany. This is where he gave the parable of the pounds. You know the story well. A king who had various responsibilities that he assigned to different ones, and then he went away for a long time. And when he got back, he met with each of those to whom he had given a responsibility to see how well they had done. And those that had done well were rewarded, and those that weren't were punished. Figuratively, he was saying to them, what you are hoping for 
isn't going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. I'm going away. But when I go away, after a long time, I'll come back. It's not the way you think it's going to be. So he spent this time in Bethany. Many of the crowds stayed in Bethany with him that night. They didn't want to get away from him. Some went on into Jerusalem to say, Jesus is coming. And so Jesus spent Saturday, which is the Sabbath, resting in Bethany. Probably he prayed all Friday night, but we don't know. As the Sabbath drew to a close, sunset on Saturday night, there was a Pharisee in that town that at some point, we do not know when it was done, but at some point Jesus had healed him of leprosy. And so he had a dinner for Christ, a dinner for Jesus, and invited just about everybody. And in that day, women never ate at the table with men. See, here the table was surrounded by these Jewish men. And as you recall from other times, we've spoken about this, the way meals were eaten in that time, you didn't sit in a chair, you relied on a, reclined on a couch on your left elbow, and you ate with your right hand, and your feet, of course, stuck out the back. Of all things, Mary, Mary, Lazarus' sister, came into the room where these men were eating, and she had in her hand a very expensive alabaster container a very expensive ointment <laughs> expensive ointment in an expensive container well you can imagine the men what's this woman doing here <laughs> she obviously didn't come to service she walked over to Jesus and somehow broke the neck of that alabaster container and anointed his head and then anointed his feet. No respectable Jewish woman ever appeared in public with her hair down. If you were seen in public with your hair down, that meant you were a whore. Mary was not a whore, but she let her hair down and with her hair wiped the feet of Jesus. Now, Judas was a treasure. He carried the money bag. But he was also an embezzler. <laughs> he liked for a lot of money to be in the money bag so he could take money out without it being noticed. You almost hear him sometime when Jesus was teaching and Judas going around, if you have a need, plant a seed, you know. <laughs> and so when Mary broke that he cried out what a waste why we could have sold this and given the money to the poor and the other disciples joined in too they began to berate Mary the Greek is very strong language that they used against her now of course Judas didn't care a whit about the poor he just wanted an opportunity to embezzle a little more money and Jesus hushed them he said, what this woman did, she has done unto my burial. And everywhere 
that the gospel is preached throughout the world, her name will be known because of this act of devotion. Isn't that a beautiful thing to think about? And so the next morning, they began the journey on to Jerusalem. And they hadn't gone very far till they came to a village. It was about, well, they were about seven-eighths of a mile from the city. And Jesus said to his disciples, as we read in Mark, uh, go over that village of Bethpage. It's one on the other side of the road from where you are. That one over there. And when you go in, you'll find a colt tied. And actually, we're told in other gospel accounts, too, the mother and the colt. Untie them. And if anybody says, what are you doing? Say, the master has needs of it. And they'll send it along the way. So here we see the she-ass being led and the colt obediently following his mother. And they brought them to Jesus. A robe was put on the colt and Jesus mounted it. And they began their procession to Jerusalem. What a celebration. What a celebration. The thing that we have longed for since the time of Solomon is going to happen. <laughs> Jerusalem is going to become the capital of the world. The Romans will be driven out. Crowds shouting behind. Crowds going before. And they threw cloaks on the ground to make a carpet for that colt and his mother. They began to cut palm leaves. You know, you just often in Palm Sunday you have people waving palms. No, they threw them down. They, they were making a carpet to walk on, a royal carpet. And after a while, the path veered to the left as they came to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus paused and looked down. Out of the city poured a host of pilgrims coming to meet him. The gleaming city of Herod glistened in that sunlight. And he saw where the city of David had been. Holy Jerusalem, the holy city. Some weeks before, when Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem, some Pharisees had approached him. They didn't want him to come there, tried to talk him out of it. And Jesus said, well, that's where the men of God always die. <laughs> Even though you told me if I go there, they'll kill me, then that's where I need to go. And he lamented, oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stoneth those that are sent unto thee. How often I would have gathered thee unto me as a hen gathers her chicks. And you would not. Henceforth, your house is left unto you desolate. Now on this day, he echoed that once again and said this. When he approached the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things that make for peace, 
but now they're hidden from your eyes. The day shall come upon you when your enemies will throw up a bank before you and surround you and hem you in on every side and will level you to the ground and your children within you. They will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. And so when he beheld the city, a time of tremendous celebration, what we call the triumphal entry, Jesus wept. It was a mood of triumph, but he shed tears in triumph. Jesus, as he looked at that crowd that was coming out of Jerusalem, shouting his praises, as he heard the voices around him, as he saw the uplifted faces, he knew six days later, this same multitude would cry out, crucify him. He also knew that 40 years later, the Romans would come to Jerusalem and completely destroy the city, slaughtering its inhabitants. And those that they did not kill, they would take away into slavery. Think about this. This is a moment in which God's compassion and his agape love perhaps even competed with one another. Compassion said, don't let it happen. Agape love said, if it doesn't, there's no salvation for humanity. And agape love won. Seven weeks later, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he said, this man delivered over by predetermined plan and knowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Think about this crowd. Why were the people crying out, Hosanna, blessed he who cometh in the name of the Lord? It was certainly a mixed multitude. Some of them were users. <laughs> More than once they had tried to make Jesus king to dispel the Romans. He was a tool they could use. Remember one time they had him on the edge of a cliff and they were going to try to put a crown on his head. He refused it and they were going to push him off the cliff if he wouldn't take it. And he just walked out of their midst. They couldn't pull off their scheme. Jesus is neither Democrat nor Republican. Very sad today in this vile political climate in which we find ourselves today, there are some who will use the name of Jesus to advance their party or their cause or their own candidacy. Jesus is not to be used. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Some were there because they wanted something from Jesus. 
he said this. Jesus answered and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, because you ate of the loaves and were filled. They remember the feeding, the 4,000, 5,000, whoopee, here's a guy that's going to get us some bread. Jesus said, that's not what it's all about. This is no heavenly food stamp program that I've come to the earth to put in place. Some were convinced intellectually, but not in their hearts. Luke twelve forty two to 43. Nevertheless, many, even of the rulers, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him, lest they be put out of the synagogue. They loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Think of that. They believed it. <laughs> but their position to them was more important. I mentioned this morning in the new members class, Voice of Martyrs has put out a calendar for this year. February has a beautiful picture. It's a small river. Two columns of people going into that river. One column is men. One column is women. At the head of each column, there is someone immersing people into Jesus Christ. And you know what happens after that? If that's known, they go to jail. They go to jail. But they believe in Jesus enough. They know eternity hangs in the balance. They pay the price. And of course, there were some who were just there in a party spirit. <laughs> we know how that happens, don't we? Get a mob stirred up. Get a mob doing something. Remember one time when Paul was preaching in Ephesus and the silversmiths got a crowd stirred up against him. It said everybody came in the crowd shouting, but they weren't sure what they were shouting about. <laughs> and no doubt there were some in that crowd like that. Whoopee, this is what we're doing today. They're the same ones at the end of the week cried out, crucify him. But oh, thank God there were some there who understood what they were saying. When they proclaimed Jesus King, they meant it with all of their hearts. Think about it. Lazarus was there. He knew it. <laughs> he could not have denied it. Mary and Martha were there. The blind man was there. Bartimaeus and his friend would have been there. Zacchaeus certainly would have been there. The twelve were there. They knew what they were saying. They believed it and proclaimed it from the very sincere depths of their heart this morning i believe this congregation does not consist of a fickle congregation nor are we users but we know who he is and had we been in that crowd would we not have cried out those words from the depths of our heart Let's do that and stand right now. Let's sing together. Praise him, praise him. Jesus, our blessed redeemer.
Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to His holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard his children. In his arms, he carries them all day long. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. For our sins, he suffered and bled and died. He, our rock, our hope of eternal salvation. Hail him, hail him, Jesus the crucified. Sound his praises, Jesus who bore our sorrows. Love unbounded, wonderful, deep, and strong. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Heavenly portals loud with hosannas ring. Jesus, Savior, reigneth forever and ever. Crown Him, crown Him, prophet and priest and king. Christ is coming over the world victorious. Power and glory unto the Lord belong. Praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him.